Hello, and welcome to episode 236 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Brendan Hendricks, the artist of The Heroic Few, now on Kickstarter. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Brandon, thanks so much for, for joining us. We're really excited to talk to you. Yeah, you know, thanks, we, for, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. Yeah, we had Storm on um, when the Kickstarter was sort of in the pre-launch phase, and now it's sort of midway through. You guys are chugging along. Uh, we're in the home stretch here. Uh, but let's start us off with a, a quick bio about yourself, maybe a little of your history with comics, and then we'll get into the, to the interview and you know, your aspect of uh, drawing this book. All right, cool. Um, well, obviously, my name is Brandon Hendricks. Um, I'm a military brat. Uh, my dad finally decided to retire in Pickens, South Carolina, and beyond that, I've been Greenville for the better part of that time. Uh, as far as comics go, I've been reading comics since as long as I remember, um, and I'm pretty much self-taught. Um, no schooling involved, aside from some college and art classes, but as far as comics go, you know, I've, uh, I've, I started doing it, taking it seriously probably when I was around uh, 25 or 26 and just started posting more stuff on DeviantArt, doing a lot of, you know, pro bono stuff or exposure stuff, what mo most artists know what that is. And then I slowly started getting paid work and I had a few, you know, a few works here um, show up in books um, as infamous, infamous as Medusa from uh, Blue Water comics way back in the day and then I do I've done a lot of uh, indie stuff and um, up to that point you know I primarily just did commissions and uh, sketches a little bit of samples here and um, I got connected to Storm Smith through uh, my comic shop guy Rob uh, who runs Borderlands over here in Greenville and after that we've done plenty of collaborations uh, pitches and now Heroic View. Very cool. So you, you mentioned that you're that you're self-taught. Um, like maybe if we could go back to sort of the, the beginning, was a lot of it sort of looking at an image and trying to, to reproduce it? Or was it uh, that you did you dive into like textbooks and like try to construct the the anatomy that way? What was your sort of your first sort it, of attempt? It, it's a it's kind of odd for me because I've had, I've had artist friends who said like, you know, oh yeah, I used to just trace over the image, just kind of get the muscle memory. And it's like me, you know, I always, I always like to look at something and then just try to replicate it on paper. And a lot of times it was just straight out of comics. Like um, my cousin had some Thor comics he had me back when I was like maybe seven or eight that were drawn by Ron friends. And I would literally open those pages up and I would just pick a panel and I just, I'd get a number two pencil and a notebook paper and just, try to copy it and then up to the up to the point um that's pretty much what i was doing until i just got to the point where i wanted to tell my own stories and i mean granted some of the stuff was made up i mean when you're 10 or 11 you can come up with anything but a lot of times i would just take existing characters and just throw them into a story with each other and draw a comic book in an afternoon not really you know caring about the anatomy or anything else specifically just for the fun of it yeah I but think... uh, sooner or later got... no, go oh, ahead please no uh, i just i i think that like that's a very common story is, is to sort of see an image and uh, try to recreate it. Um, and then you sort of find after a while that like, uh, you know, there's a bit of underdrawing and sort of building the figure, you know, you, I think when we all first start, we're like, all right, 
let's start and I'm going to draw this ear exactly the way, you know, Jim Lee drew this ear, not knowing that like Jim right, Lee, right, absolutely. Jim Lee did a number of ovals to sort of like form out the shape and stuff like that. We, we see the end product and we try to, we try to build that, not knowing that there's so many sort of like, you know, building the form and the structure and stuff like that. And that's the kind of stuff that you learn later, but that, that tracing and that looking at the image and breaking it down is still pretty valuable. Right. Yeah. And I mean, of course, you know, when you start to take it seriously, then you start, then you start getting into textbooks, start checking out the books of the library. Um, but even then to a degree, like uh, I had, I had um, only discovered Andrew Loomis like recently in the past six or seven years. I mean, other than that, when I was growing up in high school, um, a lot of the exposure from books that I had to learn how to draw was a lot of the Bern Hogarth stuff. And I mean, it was cool. I mean, and Bo Hogarth is a master, but I felt a lot of times that I was constrained to drawing like him as opposed to just getting the basic understructure of why his shapes look the way they did. And that's why a lot of times I would go back to comics to, you know, favorite artists I liked at the time. You know, if it was 90s, you're thinking, you know, of course, Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri and uh, God forbid, like Rob Liefeld and um, <laughs> even Eric Larson to a degree. I was a huge fan of him growing up, Mark Bagley. But uh, a lot of times, you know, as far as getting the structure of a figure effectively up to a point, I got from comics to a degree because um, we're we were on a military base. So, I mean, library books, you know, you only had what you could get your hands on. A lot of times, uh, you know, apparently Bo Hard Boner, Bur Burn Hogarth was a popular guy in that library because all the art books that you would get, he had something to do with. Aside from if you were ever lucky enough to find a copy of How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way, which was always checked out. Cool. <laughs> and let's uh while we're here let's uh let's transition to sort of the uh the the team of the heroic few you you mentioned in your 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 pre sort of uh show interview bio that like you got hooked up through uh a guy at your comic book shop so um I guess he knew that you drew and then he got, he knew that Storm was uh, on the creative side as a, as a writer and a publisher. Right, right, right. I, I was doing, um, I do small events for, events for Rob. Like I think the first time I ever drew for him was uh, uh, they were doing like a midnight release of uh, Heroes Are Born. I mean, not Heroes Are Born, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, New 52. Okay. And um, ironically, he's just like, why don't you just come out and draw? You know, um, we'll, we'll feed you. You'll just be hanging out with the fans. It's like, you know, I've never drawn in public before in front of people. So I just did it. And after that, I kind of got hooked and um, he saw some of the samples that I was doing and he hooked me up with Storm. And ironically, um, he wrote a few. Uh, he, there was a pitch he was originally doing called um, Second Son um, that kind of evolved into Heroic Few because um, I ended up designing some of the characters for villains that will show up later in this series back then when I had met him. So after that, we just kind of, we always had similar interests and we just, became friends and you know i do work for him here and there and we talk about stuff and it just kind of developed into this very cool so you know this sort of connection is made and uh you know you, you i guess so you talk with storm you, you guys hash out some ideas and this is something that we talked about before um there was a little bit of artwork from for the heroic few done before um, right. So it was, um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna attempt it here. It was Matthew Linnitsky that that did that, and he's got a very unique uh, style. Um, he does absolutely. 
yeah, it's it's very sort of detailed. Uh, a lot of you know long limbs and, and sketchiness, or not sketchiness like in a bad way, but like you know a lot of sketch marks, you know the hash marks and stuff like that. Um, so you you see some of this stuff at this point when you're talking to Storm? Um, no, actually, um, uh, this this actually I didn't actually see Matt's work until he had uh, finished the first because I didn't even know up to a point um, I was doing other work. And they had went ahead and did that, that pitch, pitch for that Afghan. And I saw it later after everything was done, it was colored and everything. And I was like, wow, you know, this, this looks great. And he asked me if I wanted to take over uh, duties afterwards. And I was just like, sure, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Cause I was like, I said, I was more excited at the moment to be involved with a, a superhero book in general. And then plus, you know, with Storm, Storm's a great guy. I mean, he's, he's always cool to talk ideas with and it's, it's always a joy working with him anyway. So. Nice. Was it a was, was it a mixture? Was it a mixture of excitement and it seems like maybe it was more excitement, but like I'm just sort of putting myself in your shoes right now. I probably would have felt a bit of excitement and a little bit of like, oh man, look at this amazing art. I'm obviously yeah, not going to be able to reproduce this. I'm gonna. I'm going to put my own spin on it, but like, I, I would feel that there would be a little bit of like excitement and sort of intimidation there at the same time. Oh, there was both. But I mean, the, the cool thing about it was that, you know, kind of storm storm and Ulysses were kind of those encouraging guys. Like you can do this, you know, it wasn't like they weren't like, um, well, you need to make sure you match this style. Exactly. They're just kind of like, you know, yeah, just do your thing. We know what you're capable of. So, you know, go for it. And uh, give, given that, vote of confidence from especially both of them you know i was like okay well then i'll, I'll go for it awesome so i'm going to check in with noah because i know that noah is the uh as the resident artist uh, of the of the co-host to see if he wants to check in on some of these uh art questions here absolutely yeah uh, yeah i was just going to ask about sort of what your opinion is on finding a style and how important it is to you because like I've talked to a lot of comic artists and they sort of are like, eh, it's not really something you should be thinking about. And I'm just no. sort of interesting about your, your approach with that. You know, it comes to me. I, I feel it comes later. I mean, every most, I mean, I'm not like, I'm, I'm not putting everybody in the same, but it's me. But when I was, when I wanted to be a comic artist, when I decided that I wanted to do it, there were certain artists who obviously inspire you or, you know, that kind of guide you into making that decision. Cause you're, Cause I'm the kind of guy like, you know, you'll, my friend will come over to my house and he'll see that I have like, you know, a comic line down that whether he thinks it's a key issue or not. And it looks like it's just torn to bits or tattered. And he's like, dude, why would you have this comic in such crappy shape? I'm like, dude, I just bought, you know, I buy comics for stories, but primarily the major exposure for me growing up a kid with comics was the art. So, I mean, I'll right. sit there and I'll look through an issue for hours or days and just try to get as much as I can out of it visually and just um, auto, you know, internalize what I like about it and what I would want to do um, as far as, you know, taking what I can from that and implementing to what I can do. Cause I mean, when I was a kid, you know, my parents bought me a comic. I'm like, wow, look at the art. It's not like, Oh my God, you know, look at this intense story or whatnot. At, at the core of me, I've always been an artist. I've always been an artist artist. And and yes, I'll keep up with the stories to a degree. And I like creating stories and doing my own narratives. But back then, as far as the art, you know, the act of drawing and creating a story and being able to do that was more important than 
you know, slightly other things. Yeah, that's really cool. And I, yeah, I appreciate that. Like, you know, the, the, the artist, artist idea, right. You know, um, and uh, that, that, that makes a lot of sense for you as a, like someone who like, you know, is an artist's artist sort of like, do you have like, have you always had like a set process or are you sort of like evolving as time goes on? Like how you do, how you do, how you draw comics? Um, honestly, I can say that I've loosened up a lot more. Like I used to be very methodical because I just, I was working on a book um, for, um, from a guy from Canada about zombies. Um, the first two issues came out um, and it was all digital. And I was very methodical about those pages. Like, I mean, you know, rulers, just making sure all the structure was there. But um, one thing I learned ironically from, uh, especially with perspective and stuff, I learned from Ron Garney um, was that he's like, you know, well, I just eyeball it. You know, he's like, just, he's like, just visualize. And I felt like when I started to visualize stuff more and when I started doing more life drawing and more, um, you know, just uh, still life and whatnot, I, my, my process became a lot more organic, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Like it was less technical. Don't get me wrong. I love technical aspects of work, but I feel sometimes if you go a little more organic with how you try to see and interpret things, you get a, you get more of the result you want, at least for me. Um, and now I find myself trying to find that marriage between, you know, technical and organic, just kind of, I guess, union between art to kind of give it that, just that crisp solid look. But right now, it's the process I want to say with Hero View has been fun because it's, I, I've been able to kind of just go wild with how I want to see stuff. And Storm and the Ulysses have been very open to me about, you know, interpreting the script of how I want to do it and how I want to do certain shots. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty happy with it. That's awesome. Are you, are you all traditional, Brandon, or are you, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, all, I'm, yeah, I'm one of those stubborn guys. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I finally get an iPad and get procreate, I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll be knee deep in that. But right now I still love the process of the pencil on the paper. And just cause, you know, it's, it, uh, it, it's a, I think it's a cathartic form of isolation. That's good for certain people, me specifically, cause I can, I can just stay focused on there and have music in the background and just just plant my thoughts on paper as opposed to being digital. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I don't knock digital at all. I have a lot of friends who do excellent digital art. And I and, and in all honesty, you know, um, it is a more rational way to do the work considering, you know, you're not sitting there with a brush with uh, white ink on it correcting an ink line you screwed up. But to me, I, I feel like I enjoy the process more when I feel like there's that there's that tension of, you know, the whole physical threat of you messing up something and having to redo it yeah. or just being, you know, just just putting it on paper yourself, doing it yourself. Yeah, I agree completely. That makes so much sense. Do you ever think that maybe you uh might adopt an approach that's a a combination of the two because we've talked to a lot of folks lately um and even like if you think about like sean phillips who does like amazing stuff we we found out recently that he will you know those pencils are digital but then he'll print that out and ink it um you know with a brush so that he has that sort of you know 
to to be a little Bob Ross here, you know, you get those sort of happy accidents that you know oh, yeah, totally. you weren't you you weren't planning on that jawline to look that way, but you got it in there, and oh man, that looks that looks amazing. It's it's going to stay that way. Like, do you ever think that maybe you might adopt an approach that's a that's a little bit of both, so that you can kind of keep the the best of both worlds there? I think that I think that's inevitable. I think after a while, when you're going to like, especially when you start getting more gigs and you, you know, deadlines have become major priority, you're going to have to find a way to streamline that. I mean, granted, I'm not saying machines don't exist anymore. I mean, you, you had guys like George Perez um, or other artists who could knock those pages out or, you know, like John Byrne or even Kirby. I mean, they, I, you know, I heard rumor, I heard stories of how Kirby could do a whole comic in the afternoon. I mean, that, <laughs> that work ethic and that skill still exists in humanity, I believe. But I think me personally, I think that I will only benefit more once I start incorporating digital into my current, current workflow. Granted, I mean, it's more of a, I feel like it's more of a selfish thing for me right now to be doing it traditional just because I think it's fun. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I, I still think that, um, you know, there's an aftermarket on, you know, original pages, original work. I mean, that's, that's kind of a small um, factor in the equation, but it's just, I'm, I've been doing traditional art for so long, the traditional way that it's just, it's going to be one of those things that I'm going to have to beat out of myself eventually. Yeah. I'm sure there's a number of like younger people that might be coming into art, you know, in like in the last couple of years that had the ability to sort of always be a digital artist, but there's got to be something to be said for like, those years of you know drawing in a in a notebook in school or, or sitting down Absolutely. with a sketch pad to sort of build those skills like all of that time building those skills is is needed and then when you become a professional and you get some tools to sort of help you streamline make the process a little bit faster you're able to do that but that time that you put in with pen and paper building those forms, learning what you like, that's, that's got to be a valuable key. So I wonder what it's going to be like for a kid growing up that's like 12 years old that never sort of, I mean, I guess maybe they do get bored in school and they dash out a picture of, of Spider-Man in the, in the margins of their, of their right. book. Right. But like that, that's real, that's real, that's a really valuable time to just sort of to experiment and learn and, and build those skills. And then, and then you sort of become a professional and you have all of those, maybe that, you know, there's a, the whole like 10,000 hours rule that you're, you're building. Right. And, and now you have tools that help you sort of work faster. So that, that time is valuable doing that stuff. And I mean, absolutely. And it's not going to, I mean, what, what, what I still like and what you may still like to do is not a dying practice because I mean, you, you have YouTube, and perfect got perfect examples. You have Jungi Kim or Kim Jong Yi, however you pr pronounce it. You have guys like Carl Kapinski or uh, uh, I think the guy's name is Greg Han, maybe. But those guys do live draws. I mean, and they they draw with pen. They draw with you know they draw on paper, pen with watercolors. It's all still tactile. They're still touching things. They're still putting it on paper. It's not it's not like you're watching an image stream of um, you know Procreate doing recording of a digital digital image create, you know, being created, you're still seeing, I guess what I call, I call it a seeing the magic. It's like going to convention. Like, it's like, you know, the reason why people go to conventions, especially get artwork from the favorite art, artists is because they want to see the magic happen. Mm -hmm. And 
I think that's something that's just that's something that's never going to go away. Because, I mean, when you have guys like Kim Jong-gi who um, are sitting there with a marker drawing a panoramic landscape on a dry erase board with 100 people behind them looking, that still shows um, desire and interest in the way of producing the medium. So I see it. I see it as a, it's just going to be a marriage. It's going to be, you know, kind of tit for tat, you know, what mm-hmm. you prefer. But I think that those people who like, you know, learn the craft as many traditional ways as they can, they're not going to be hindered by a new technology. They're only going to embrace it and throw it into their workflow and just make things better. Like uh, Garney's a perfect example. I mean, it took me a while to realize that he was starting to do digital pages, pages um, with his newer work. Because, you know, you're so used to seeing how when he was doing Wolverine, um, you know, Get Mystique, like all that was like pencil. They literally covered, colored right over his pencil work. And even his covers for Spider-Man Back in the Black, that was still him drawing a paper. But a lot of the newer stuff he does now is still digital. But all it is is more awesome. You know, it just looks it just amplifies what he's already capable of doing. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna, I guess that's no, the oh, I'm sorry about that. No, no, I was going to actually turn it over to you. So this works out really well. Yeah, I guess that's the, I was just going to say that, yeah, that's, that's just seems to be the, uh, the big thing is that like, and I kind of get upset with people when they're like, oh, digital is going to take over for traditional because it all is based on what you like to work with, you know, Exactly. and and transitioning over to digital, you don't want it to all of a sudden be like stiff, you know, and Mm -hmm. like, you know, you're just like, using 3d models for everything. If you've been the guy who just eyeballs stuff, you right. know, and, and, uh, that's sort of what I appreciate about artists like Garney or, um, or Phillips, like those guys who just were like, well, we're going to draw the exact same, just it's digital now. Right. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Like, uh, all should be, that's all should be. There shouldn't be, uh, it's going to digital. It doesn't mean changing your style. No, it's not like, oh, yeah, my art's got like Pixar work now because I'm working on a computer. No, it's it's just you're just using the tool to recreate what you normally created with a pencil and paper. Yeah, exactly. Are are you someone who's uh, like precious about like your art that you create for your comics or do you like do you sell your original art? Everyone? I, I sell my original art um, and it's it's kind of either or like, I mean, for the longest time when I first started out selling stuff, yes, you, you kind of grow an attachment to what you have. And, but the, the way I see it is when you part with that older stuff and it's somebody else has it, you know, you have to fill the void with something, you know, draw. If, if, it, if you want to read, let's just say you want to redraw the whole entire image you drew for somebody else, but you've evolved now more as an artist and you just want to see how better it looks. I mean, that's, you shouldn't, I don't think any artist should be too, hung up on their pieces i mean granted i get it if it's like let's just say you know you you have your own ip and you make this book that goes gangbusters and you want to hold on to the original pages because you want some type of financial future for either you or your loved ones that's that's totally understandable and i respect that but i think in some cases um a lot of artists just kind of hold on to pieces because well i really like that i really like that piece and i don't know if i'm really and i think that's that simple that's you get you create a separation anxiety from yourself because you, you remember how hard you worked in the piece you remember the time you put into it and it really comes to the part point of i feel like i'm only going to grow if i mean yes i can have a co- digital copy of it to reflect back on and look but the goal is to create as much art in my opinion as i possibly can and 
during that transition of creating more art, I get better. I create more pieces that mean more to me or mean more to other people. And it's just an evolutionary process, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, do you draw it like full size, like 11 by 17 or are you love? Uh, 11 by 17, draw- man. Yeah. Awesome. 11 by 17. Awesome, man. Like, are you like a pen person? Like, cause like your art looks kind of like it's a mix of brush and pen. You're absolutely right. I use both. I use a Pentel um, brush pen. Um, that's I've, I've had this thing for maybe four or five years. And I mean, I just buy refills for it and the, the nylon brush tip works fantastic. I mean, granted, you know, it, it, it's definitely a learning curve. I mean, cause you can tell even in some of my pages where, you know, ink lines are rough, but then like as you progress on the lines are finer just cause I was still learning to use the thing. And I feel, I mean, granted, I felt like, you know, to me, every, I felt like every inexperienced artist who didn't ink themselves always started out with microns just cause, you know, you didn't, that whole thick to thin variation, you, you had to kind of learn the hard way, but um, acquiring, starting to use a brush and forcing myself to work with it and use it, it's finding those line weights and finding how lightly to hold the pen. It's, it, it's, it's a pretty cool feeling. And I mean, granted, I still have a lot to learn. I mean, cause there's, there's so many great anchors out there. So many artists that just ink themselves traditionally that, you know, all I want to do is be a sponge and just learn what I can from them. Yeah, exactly. Um, and do you, uh, sorry, I'm getting really deep into the, the tool talk. Uh, here, dude, like, like, wherever um, we thought, like I said, I'm an artist artist. Whenever we get to like the process, I mean, I can go on forever. Sometimes I yeah, just myself. I, I use the Pentel pocket brush pen as well. Um, I don't clean mine out though. Are you someone, do you clean yours out? I don't, I'm guilty. I don't, I just change. I just put the refill in and just go with God, I guess. Yeah. Like I, I've had mine for three years now and I've not really needed to. It's, it's done really well. Like it's, no, I mean, uh, like, yeah, I've never had any clog ups or anything. I mean, there's even a point where I was dipping, like if I ran out of um, refills, I was dipping the thing in normal um, India ink and just using that to ink with. So, yeah. But, uh, but after a while, yeah, I mean, it's still, it's, it still holds up. It's, it's a, it's a very nice piece of, uh, piece of hardware yeah i've had i've used brushes like actually like number one brushes before and i've used um had the had like a goat hair brush at yeah. one point pen and um i i still prefer the the pocket brush just the nylon tip like yeah, I, it's I, it's great I, um, I remember when i got um gary martin's uh guide to inking um <laughs> i had specifically ordered i'm actually holding in my hand now it's um a windsor newton series seven because apparently that's what every inker known to man uses to a degree. And I, I still, ironically, I still use it every now and then um, just to spot my blacks. But as far as, um, you know, just the, the fine detail, I still find myself coming back to my pencil pocket brush. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. Do you, um, Okay, all right. I'll get off the Pentel pocket brush after this question. <laughs> but I guess for you, how do you control the ink discharge? Because like for me, that's that's my big problem. Is like I like it when it's a little more dried out, and then you can get like a, the better variations in the lines and everything like that. But um, I know some people like dry it out with like a paper towel. Um, yeah, for me, paper towel dry out. Um, but one thing too. Um, one thing that um, I actually learned this in an Adam Hughes uh, podcast he was doing, he was talking about how like he could only like specifically even with um, brushes. And he said, ironically, with like uh, softer leads, 
he has to be aware of the aware of the uh, humidity in the room because mm. it you know it tends to you know like the ink will flow a little more it won't dry as quickly and i find myself if i'm in like you know if i keep my keep my area where i uh use my uh brush pen my brush pen like you know relatively colder i get a better flow from the actual uh brush brush without worrying about it bleeding over too much and usually i i've i, I did uh dexter vines uh heroes con one time gave me gave us a quick lesson on inking and he's like practice those you know thick to thins like just do continuous lines of thick to thins and i you know what at first you don't think nothing about it but then when you actually practice doing it you're like oh my god i you know you have an epiphany and it learns it teaches you how to learn to control your brush as far as when to come into the line when to peek at the you know the uh, the thickness of the line and when to pull back and that's just to me that i just feel like that only comes with practice after 10,000 hours <laughs> awesome yeah. well Anybody listening to a, a podcast called Constructing Comics is going to love all of this this process talk. So I, I, I think this is this is this is right on on brand. Yeah. Uh, so if I can, I'm going to shift it to back to sort of the uh, the you know working with Storm. You said that you had yeah. done a a comic with a guy who it was a, basically a zombie comic. Um, you know, you you did two issues. Um, you know, we've talked to Storm a lot and we, we know that he's very uh, sort of structured. He's looking at sort of A plot, B plot, C plot, looking oh, yeah, at totally. stuff like that. So can you talk a little bit about what it was like when you first saw the, the script from from Storm? When I first saw the script, um, I loved it because uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of early stuff that I did, um, you know, just coming up, trying to get experience. uh um, save, save Blue Water. Blue Water is pretty specific on their scripts, too. Um, a lot of the scripts I was getting were just right guys like, hey, I want to do a book, you know, and here's the outline and I'll show you what happens in each panel. And I they they kind of gave a description of what happened, but they didn't explain the actions, the angles. Um, not really the tone where Storm, you know, there's already a plot synopsis. So I already know the direction and tension of the story is going to be. But he still gets gives a very good description on like, you know, what the characters are doing, how they're doing it. And just kind of you got to give me freedom on the camera angles, which is kind of cool, too. Um, and like I said, it's it's cool when you when you're really good. You have a really good communication with the writer because then you can just kind of shoot an idea and they'll like say, oh, yeah, I didn't think of this that way. That's pretty cool. Or like, hey, did you think about it this way? And you just you bounce ideas back off of each other. As opposed to like, you know, hey, here's my story. This is what I want to happen. You put it all together, which is, I, I, I guess, was the old Marvel method. Like, you know, Stanley would write a plot and Jack Kirby would figure it all out. But, you know, a lot of times us, a lot of us beginners don't don't go in that hard. And we, we have to kind of, you know, have a little bit of learning curve. Nice. And what was like the, the process? And maybe it's evolved over time. Um, you know, you read a script. Uh, you know, Storm has laid out basically what he he thinks that this page is going to be. Did you turn over like like thumbnails, pencils, and inks at, at various stages, and then maybe sometimes sometimes thumbnails. Um, uh, you know, a lot of times if I didn't understand how like a shot wanted to be made up, or like how do you like I would send him like you know kind of uh, like small little thumbnail pages about 
how do you, which direction for the action looks better? And, you know, he'd give me his opinion and we'd go on from there. Uh, and a lot of times it's crazy because uh, I'll, since, you know, a lot of times I, you know, the inking phase is after the penciling phase is done. I mean, I'd sit there and just, I, I draw out something really, really quick, really, really light, take a snapshot of it on my cell phone and then text to him, say, hey, what do you think? And, you know, if it's, uh, if it's great, then he's just like, yeah, go for it. And if it, you know, if it wanted to be different, it was, it was uh, he said, he's given his, give me his opinion and then I'd change it. Like the cool thing about this too, is that um, one thing you learn drawing comics is you just have to get used to drawing a lot and it, and it, and having to erase something and redo something over that's, that just comes with the territory. It's not like, oh man, I got to draw this again. It's like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I call it a, I have these moon erasers. I call them, I basically call them my nuclear warhead. Like, you know, if a panel's got to be completely redrawn, that's the eraser I grab because it all, it all goes away. <laughs> and uh, you basically get the point where you, you get used to redrawing and redrawing. And cause the whole, the whole point of it is that, you know, you'll get to the point where you, I can't remember who said this. Um, I want to say, it was John Byrne, but I could be wrong. He just said, I just want to, I just want to draw. He's, he's like, I want to get so good that I draw less. Interesting. If that makes sense, because you get it right. You know, nobody's, nobody's ever going to get the right first time, but you look at some artists who you admire and it feels like they get it right the first time every time. Yeah. So you, you have this process with, with Storm. And when we talk with Storm, he told us the, the colors. I'm trying to remember, is it, is it like, Stanley. So do yeah. you do you scan your eleven by seventeen stuff and and send it off to him to to be colored? I yep, I scan them. I, I have a I have an Epson. What do you call it? I think it's an Epson Workforce seventy seven ten. Best deal if you want eleven by seventeen scanner because it's better than paying three hundred bucks by for a standalone eleven by seventeen scanner. I mean, at least now you got a printer scanner and a copier and a fax machine. Um, but, uh, I, I scan that and usually PDF at a high quality and I, you know, send it straight to Dan and he does the digital color work. And he letters the book too. Is that correct? He did. Yeah, he, he does. He does. Yeah. And you had some experience of, of drawing, um, you know, comics before. And I think one of the sort of the underrated aspects of, of being a comic artist is like, say that like Storm says, Hey, you know, I got two superheroes. They're standing on the street. Um, and they're going to talk, you know, sort of either formulate some plans or, or, or break down what's going on. But you have when you're designing that panel, you have to leave sort of enough room for the bubbles. Yeah. Th- and I mean, I'm still I am still guilty of getting lost in a page sometimes and not even thinking about it. Because it's it's like, you know, you, you think of like a lot of times when you're a comic artist, you think of um, how you look at a shots in a movie and you keep forgetting, well, there's no word bubbles in a movie. I mean, there's subtitles, but that's on the bottom. So, you know, you got to take into consideration this is where the word bubble is going to go in placement of the figure and the composition and the rule of thirds and all that stuff. And it's just, it, you get, you get it after a while because a lot of times one thing that'll help is when you're laying a page out is to put the word bubbles there. Yeah. I think that's something that Noah sort of does a little bit. Like he'll sort of like lightly pencil in um, enough room where he thinks because he's got the script in front of him he basically knows you know this is going to be a dialogue heavy sort of thing so he'll sort of lightly put them in is that right noah 
I'll do it in the thumbnail stage. I'll put in the the bubbles more than I do in the like penciling stage, unless it's like, like Brandon says, like where I know, like if I get lost in this, I'm going to get lost and there will be no room for <laughs> right. And it's not even like I like to fill up the panels. I just, because I like negative space. And, uh, but like, you know, I won't leave enough negative space, basically. Like, right. it's just like, like in the right places for, for bubbles. So, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Not exactly specifically to you, but I know what it means to get lost in the page. So, yeah, I have been, since the last comic I did, I've been like putting word balloons in the thumbnails and then following that as closely as I can. Very cool. So um, I think we've, we've covered a lot of sort of art style and working with, with Storm. I'm going to check in with, with Noah before we maybe transition into like Kickstarter talk. Do you have any more sort of pro, uh, process uh, questions as far as like, you know, taking the script that, that Storm has created and, and turning it into pages? Um, no, I mean, Storm was very, he's very, uh, direct in how he was navigate, how he's making, helping me navigate scripts. So there weren't really any challenges. I mean, he's storms, a good writer. He's, he, like I said, he's one cool thing about him is that, and I guess the reason why we click, we've been friends for so long is that like, he's just about as enthusiastic about comics as I am. So, yeah, you know, awesome. it, it's like, it's like two little kids, you know, like, I mean, I remember in high school, um, I had two other friends. We started like a whole entire comic universe Granted, the whole thing lasts for a year and everybody moved away. But it was kind of, it kind of feels like that. You get that that camaraderie and just that and just having fun creating this. Yeah, we definitely get that from when we talk to Storm. He's got like a a uh, an exhaustive knowledge of comics and yeah. how to create comics, which makes him a joy to talk to. And I was and sort of to expound on what you were talking about, sort of Storm and Ulysses sort of giving you a lot of space to express yourself in this book. Um, not like change the characters completely, but sort of like, hey, maybe this works for when Matt's drawing this character, but not so much for me. Right, right, yeah. Because I mean, because Storm already had, Storm already had, experience and how my style looked as opposed to Matt. So, so, you know, he, it wasn't really like, uh, you know, him wondering what I could do with it. He knew what I could bring to the table already. So that's why he kind of approached me about it. And he even had me do character designs, you know, way back when he already liked my style. So that's what, that's one thing that kind of made it, a, gave it a lot less pressure um, to perform. Cause you know, I was, it wasn't like going to Marvel and saying, look, this is how, this is how Superman needs to look you know, or this is how such and such need to look. It's like, you know, just give your own artistic, you know, interpretation, you know, we're an indie company and we, you know, we believe in, you know, expressing how you want things to look. So do your thing. Very cool. So, you know, we talked to Storm when, before the, the Kickstarter was, was kicking off and now we're talking to you sort of at the mid part of the, of the Kickstarter, um, you know, and also we, so, being an indie creator there's the the creative side and then there's the, the 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 marketing side you know you're not you're not bendis um you know making a spider-man book you don't have the machine behind you to, to push so you have to right. sort of do that um so what sort of 
like, you know, you're doing this podcast with us tonight and we're talking about the Kickstarter. Um, how do you handle promotion of, of the Kickstarter? Um, well, I've mainly been posting on my um, Instagram and I'll repost what other artists and what other creators involved with the book will post. Same on my social media, like, you know, on, uh, on Facebook and whatnot. Um, and you get the words out to certain friends and like, you know, the guys at the comp shop at Borderlands, that know about it too. Uh, you it's what, yeah, it's, you're, you're completely right about that. I mean, you're, when you're one thing about artists is that you just kind of create the work and you just kind of throw it on the ether, but there, there still is a lot of promoting involved, um, that, you know, that everybody should kind of chip in and do. Um, <clears throat> but I think that helping the one thing that helps too is having a, just a strong community of other creators that you do know mm-hmm. and you supporting their work as well as, because then if you support their work and you show an interest in your work and you create a dialogue with just any type of creator, I mean, you're going to make a connection and you're, you're going to be more likely to get the kind of support that you do need. Yeah, I, I certainly can agree with, with that. I think through my years, I've found a lot of like, like-minded people and it's like, you know, hey, my my buddy's Kickstarter launched today. Check it out. And then it's like, you know, six months down the line, mine comes out and it's sort of like, hey, I'm going to return the favor here. You know, Matt's Kickstarter's out. Check it out. So it's just it's just great to be in a community of, of like minded people that, you know, enjoy comics, are trying to make their own comics and like know how difficult it is to get eyes and ears on it. So, you know, that like that share that retweet like that, that, that means a lot to, to, to folks when, when they see that. So yeah, I can agree with you there. Absolutely. And so one of the questions we ask people when we have them on the Kickstarter is, is what type of uh, checker they are. Like, are you a refresh the page uh, every 30 seconds to see what the count is, the backer count, the funding count? Are you able to sort of, uh, you know, I'm going to go for a walk right now. I'm going to come back. I'm going to check it. And whatever it is, is, is what it is. What, uh, what type of Kickstarter runner are you? I'm, I'm, I'm the, che- I'm the check-in maybe once or twice a day. I mean, I used to be, it, it's, it's funny. Cause like, you know, um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm an investor on the side as far as, you know, stocks, crypto, whatever. And I remember when I was first starting, um, you know, you're checking, you're checking your stock portfolio every five minutes. You're, you're flipping out like, oh, God, did I lose any money? Do I need to sell? Yada, yada, yada. And it's just a lot of times you find yourself not stressing yourself out as much if you just kind of go with the flow. I mean, and it's, kind, and it, and it, it's also akin to like, you know, uh, uh, social media. Like you, you make a post on Instagram. Are you checking every five seconds to see who liked it next? Or are you just like, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll just put it out there in the world and see what people think. And, you know, sometimes the response isn't what you want. And then sometimes you're completely surprised by the complete opposite. Interesting. So, Noah, what I'm finding out here is that you and I are both crazy madmen that, that hit that refresh button every 30 <laughs> seconds. Everybody else is calm, cool and collective, but we're we're maniacs when we're running a Kickstarter. Yeah, I'm getting that, too. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's like the fool on the hill situation where everybody thinks we're insane, but really they're the ones that are insane. <laughs> we know that you're the fools for not going crazy. Um, <laughs> but no, I, it, but I'm saying that out of an envious place, really, more than anything, because um, 
Yeah, like I, I, I think that, and I'm wondering for, for you, Brandon, are you kind of someone that just sort of like, you know, when it comes to your book being seen, what's sort of your philosophy there? Are you just sort of someone who's like, hey, if people see it, they see it. They don't see it. They don't see it. I'm just sort of interested as to like what, what your outlook on that is. It's, I, I'm, I would guess that, right, you know, it's, I, I, it is kind of, if they see it, they see it. If they don't, they don't. But still, you know, you kind of want, especially if you think you have a good story to tell, you kind of want to put it out there. But I'm, I'm a, I'm a very humble guy. And it's just, you know, I'm, I've never over tooted my horn. It's just, I, I enjoy, I enjoy the process more than anything. Mm. Uh, I enjoy the learning experience. Um, and, you know, if somebody goes crazy over the work I do, then that, that's great. That's a great feeling. But also too, um, the question at the end of the day, sometimes is like, am I, do I feel, do I feel fulfilled by the work that I completed? Even if, you know, nothing happens to it and, you know, nothing ha- or doesn't go anywhere, or whether it blows up, and that's kind of more the, the feeling that's important to me because uh, it just kind of goes back to my theory on comics, you know, like I've always been an artist artist and it's, and it's never like I'll buy an issue of Batman if Lee Weeks is drawing it. Mm-hmm. Um, if the story's great, okay, it's great. But if the story sucks, Lee Weeks drew it. So I'm still buying it, you know? So that's the way I kind of see it. It's, I think the, I think that the story and the art's going to, um, will speak for itself to a degree, but I guess as far as being like super uber famous over anything I do or may pro- maybe, maybe produce in the future, that would be great. But um, it's more of like, you know, work completed and feeling good about the work completed. I, I was getting that from you from when we were talking, but I just wanted to make sure that you're just someone who was satisfied with the process more than anything. And yeah. uh, that, that's really cool. I have, a, I have a lot of respect for that. And I think really at the end of the day, it's sort of what keeps you happy in, in an industry where you're, you're, you know, the odds of you getting famous are very unlikely, even if you're super talented. You know, this is, a, this is an industry that you don't get into to be famous. You, you get into it because you have to love it. Right. Yeah. So, but no, I really, that, that's a really cool way of looking at things. And you, you put it perfectly. Awesome. Thank you. So uh, I think that might do it for, for the interview. Um, I'll check it with Noah for, for final thoughts or, or final questions before we, uh, we wrap up here. No cool. final questions. I just hope you get to come back on and we get to keep talking about process. Cause Dude, awesome. uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, this is my first podcast ever, but I, I can honestly say I've had a great time. I, yeah. I'd, I'd love for you guys to have me back. And we also awesome. found out that you're a Lee Weeks fan and we are hugely <laughs> Weeks fans on this yeah. show too. So we may have to have you on to do a breakdown of some Lee Weeks art in the future. Oh my God, totally. That would be awesome. Yeah, that's, that, that, that definitely sounds, sounds great to do. Yes. So uh, as we close up, let's, let's do two things here. Let's let folks know where they can uh, find you online. I'm, I'm guessing as an artist, it's mostly uh, Instagram. Um, Absolutely, you- yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my Instagram tag is uh, Hendrix. It's, I'll spell it out for you. It's uh, H. Three N D R I C K S low dash comic art D O M I C A R T. 
Cool. Well, we'll put it. Uh, I follow you. So um, I'll grab that and I'll put that in the, the show notes for, for this podcast to make it as easy as possible for folks to just sort of scroll well, down. Yeah, and I, like to you, I mean, I'm pretty sure you have uh, Dan's and uh, Matt's and Bunyo's and everybody else's uh, Instagram handle, too. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that as well. And also we want to just, you know, talk about the importance of this Kickstarter. We're, we're in the home stretch here. I believe you guys are, what, at about the 60% uh, funded? Yeah, 60, 70, 60, 65%. I mean, we, I think the goal is 2000 and we're at like 1305 right now. I mean, it's, it's getting close to the wire, but um, I, I think that it's, I think it's still possible to pull off. Yeah, and it's a it's an awesome book, and um, it's it's a pretty lengthy uh, it's a pretty lengthy read as as well, isn't that right? Yeah, it's it's pretty lengthy read, and the cool thing is, uh, he Storm's got like he he got a bunch of other artists to do like you know pinups and kind of like mock covers. I did a few too, just kind of showcasing what this world of heroic is about. It's it's very it's it it has uh there's a lot of Kirby love in it. There's a lot of classic Marvel love in it. Caps cast quartet i mean there's just so many just nuggets that remind you of uh, other things but also too it flips it on its head because um uh you know there's there's different aspects of certain characters that are represented that are kind of given a whole different twist and that's what i like about it yeah awesome well it along with your Instagram, we're going to have a link to the Kickstarter in the show notes so that, uh, you know, again, it's, we're going to make it as easy as possible for folks, you know, you just call up those show notes, scroll down, hit that Kickstarter link and, and check everything out. You know, we're, we're huge fans of, uh, you know, storm stuff. You know, we've talked to storm two or three times on this podcast. So it was great to, to have you on. And like Noah said, uh, open invite, you know, more heroic few, um, you know, breaking down some Lee Weeks Batman pages, uh, that, that, that invite is out there for you. Awesome. Well, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. If you could give us a rating and review of, of the podcast, uh, on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we're on Twitter. It's at construct Compod. Instagram is constructed comics pod and Facebook is constructed comics. I'd like to, once again, thank you for listening. Please be safe. Be nice and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.